Welcome to this week's show, The Tech Garage. I'm your host, Sean. We speak to Lisa Nyamazao, the co-founder of Green Spaces, and she's also the director at this initiative. She tells us more about Green Spaces. Tell us, who is or what is Green Spaces? Okay, so Green Spaces uh, is an initiative that I started with a group of friends of mine. So, what So, a, a brief background of myself is I'm an urban planner by profession. So, I have that passion with regards to city development, with regards to outdoor space management, to creative placemaking. So I started this initiative to ensure that we provide a platform whereby we talk of issues, uh, sustainability issues, we talk of technology, and we also talk of how we can uh, become sustainable within that uh, space. So we do quite a number of projects, and currently the first one that we're running with is the solar charging station. We were saying we want to put solar charging stations for outdoor spaces so people can charge their phones and laptops and enjoy the outdoor space. So, yes. Okay. So why is tech important when it comes to city urban planning? Okay, as we look at the world in general, I mean... The, 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 so the social fabric is changing. I mean, technology is coming to take over the world. So even within the city planning domain, technology is also coming to change the world. And how will it change? It will become, it will make systems more efficient. Uh, it will make uh, sure that we enjoy the urban area more. Uh, you know, like when we look at it right now, a lot of young people are using mobile phones, a lot of people have access to the internet and they want to be connected all the time. So how do we leverage on that? We use that and we use that connectivity, we use technology to ensure that we increase efficiency in a lot of things like waste management. Technology can also be used in city planning and efficiency within transport systems. When you look in, uh, in other developed countries, they have really managed to take advantage of technology um, within their transport systems, for example. So everything is connected, the trains, the airplanes, the, the robots, the, we call them traffic lights, but here we call them robots. They are, you know, everything is interconnected. So that means that there's more efficiency. There's no room for human error. Everything is connected, you know. So that's how technology then comes in and addresses those issues. And also from a planning background, technology has come and changed the way we plan and also the way we predict futures. When we look at big data, big data has been an important tool that has been used to predict how cities are going to grow, how many people are going to be in a city. So this helps us to plan, for example, water resources. This helps us to plan, should we expand our water infrastructure? Should we expand our road infrastructure? Because we already predict from technology. So I believe that technology is coming to really address much of the problems that we have to come and improve how uh, the, how we're doing business, as well as also give us, you know, just that good urban feel that we should, uh, that we all desire to have. Okay, interesting. So what challenges do you feel affect the tech 
industry when it comes to urban planning in Zimbabwe? Well, because Zimbabwe is in Africa, there are so, so many problems. The first one is internet. You know, when you look at Africa, only 30% of Africans are connected to the internet. And of the 30%, not everyone is connected 24 hours a day. You see, so it, it goes down to issues of connectivity. We do not have internet. Secondly, it's very expensive to connect to the internet and also to use that internet, for example, uh, to use Wi-Fi to connect cars or to use Wi-Fi to connect trains. That's a lot of internet, that's a lot of bandwidth that's required. And um, when we look at developed countries, they are doing very well because some of them are moving into 5G and 4G is already there. So it's very easy and you know, everything is seamless. But when we look into Zimbabwe, we're still using, uh, you know, even 3G is not, <laughs> not everyone has 3G. Some are still using 2G and because of that, it really affects everything. Right. And the other thing is digital literacy. When I when we started, um, when I started doing my degree, we were not really doing a lot of um, like tech. We're not including tech within our educational system. But when you go and go out there, there's a lot of tech uh, within the workplace. However, the people that are working there do not have the skills to use that technology. So we have a skill gap. There are not a lot of people that are not skilled with current tech trends like using GIS, uh, using um, design tools, you know. Why? Because our education system is not equipped us to do that. So that's also another challenge within uh, that we have in Zimbabwe. So if people are not digital literate, it is very difficult for you then to say, use this technology. It goes to the people who create the policies, the people who work within the urban planning sphere, as well as the people that are going to use the technology, which is my mother, my father, my grandmother in the rural areas. Are they able to use that technology? You know, if we're going to introduce a system of payment, maybe that's, you know, very, very complicated. How would my grandmother use it when she comes to the CTO there within the rural areas? So that's also another thing that we should look into. So it's an issue of internet access, digital literacy, as well as the education system that has caused a lot of uh, problems within adopting technology in urban spaces. Another thing I think is basically fear. People fear technology. You know, when they just see something that's technical, they already run away from it without really opening up and saying, how do I learn from this, you know? So I think those are some of the challenges that we have. And also, there isn't much support from the government with regards to the use of technology as central in our everyday life. You see, most, there are no policies, there are no laws to govern most of that. And because of that, it's very difficult for them to, to embrace innovation because when innovation comes, it becomes as if it's going against, you know, a policy, but there's no policy. So I, I feel like there's need for, you know, for government to come up with ICT policies that really match with the growing need for using technology within our everyday life. You said something interesting that at school or at university, mm -hmm. you're not given the correct tools to mm -hmm. prepare you for the future. Yes. For example, most African cities were built using colonial plans and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. What gap do you think can be filled in by a new generation like you building new smart cities? What is the gap that can be filled in? Okay, that's, well, that's a very interesting uh, conversation that I always like to have because it's two-sided. The first side is... Uh, you know, I mean, technology is amazing. We should actually embrace technology, you know, within even our schools and, you know, because our cities were built long back and, and, and stuff like that. But on the other side, 
there's a, this issue of inclusive development because when we say we want smart cities we want high technology are we not also excluding quite a number of people from the whole space so i'll talk i'll answer the question of how do we make our cities uh, like how how do we embrace our cities and how do we change like from the colonial era so when you look at, at at our cities which were built long back they just built for a very few people they were built for the working class um, they were built you know only for our fathers who would come to the city to work. So there was no space for us. And uh, after independence, a lot of people could now come to the city. Um, the families came to the city and that really caused a lot of change with regards to service delivery, with regards to access to jobs, access to markets, because the urban areas now are, they're now centers for healthcare, they're centers for trade. People come to the urban areas because they're looking for jobs. Um, and they're looking for opportunities. So how do we change that? How do we adapt that? I am for the view that governments should look at what the state of our demography, our demographic patterns are right now and say, right now people are in the cities, right? And this is, red, it is um, we've come to the rise of the informal economy. Most people are not employed, so they create their small jobs, they're entrepreneurs, they create their vending stalls and, and ETC. Cities must be able to include those people within their planning, within their strategic plans. They must provide spaces for people to trade. They must provide comfortable spaces for people to do their vending. You know, they should not just say, okay, I want to be a smart city, so and so, let's throw them away. Yes, I mean, we want to be a clean city, but we must involve everyone within our spheres. Inclusive development is the way to go for African cities and for Zimbabwean cities. So we must ensure that we embrace technology, we embrace, I mean, efficient cities that are clean, that are smart, that are interconnected. And at the same time, let's provide spaces, economic opportunities for people who are in, within the urban, space, uh, within the urban uh, spaces right now. Let's provide spaces for them to trade is provide affordable health care, let's provide affordable education because there's so many young people there now that uh, from the whole demography cycle who are now there now let's provide affordable education for them you know you might want digital uh, like high-tech education but let's provide that and make it affordable for everyone so what does that mean it means the government must make intentional efforts to include everyone within um, how can we prepare ourselves as african as zimbabweans for the upcoming like fourth industrial revolution these mm -hmm. so-called new smart cities yes, how yes, can we yes. prepare for that i think the most important thing is for us to accept that uh, this fourth industrial revolution is coming it's here uh, we should accept it you know and also we should embrace it and also have a uh, an attitude, I don't know if it's an attitude, but to actually accept that in as much as it's coming, it's not coming to destroy what we already have, but it's coming to complement and it's coming to make things better. So the most important thing is, you know, educating people, creating spaces and uh, platforms for conversations, for awareness, for people to know, and also for policymakers to now develop policies because with the fourth industrial revolution there's a lot of information and data that will go around you know so issues of data privacy you know issues of security those are issues that we must begin to talk about and begin to
teach people how do you become secure with your interconnected device how do you become secure if your whole house is connected to the internet does not does it not mean that uh, the manufacturer is access to your house how do we ensure that people are safe you know and that's those are very important conversations that we should start to have right now and also we must encourage innovation uh, within young people because uh, I, I'm not for you know the the current trend where every piece of technology that we use we import like every every technology that we use like the smallest thing in your house is imported why don't we promote innovation with that from our young you know upcoming techpreneurs or upcoming uh, software engineers within Zimbabwe and say those are the people that must begin to create technologies for us you know that that will make it very easy and very safe and very much affordable for us so I think that's an important point because uh, when we encourage innovation we and we encourage uh, young people to create solutions and also when we see that the solutions are from us they make us ready for the fourth industrial revolution we are not behind the global you know the global trend so we should be able to support young people to support our own local innovation so that we are in line and we are on the same power with the whole world i don't know if it's possible but we might be, uh, be on the same level with other countries i know you're traveled yes, you're yes. a mandela washington fellow yes yes and recently in the netherlands mm -hmm. and from your travels i'm sure you have seen one or two interesting innovations and ideas that you wish they could be implemented back home in Bulawayo. Okay. From there, which city do you think we could emulate as Bulawayo to try and though that is energy efficient and that talks all about green spaces? In your view, which one maybe do you think we could try and emulate in Bulawayo? Okay, I don't think there's one specific, but maybe we can borrow different elements from right. different cities. And uh, the first one, I'll talk of, I mean, Amsterdam. Amsterdam is a very beautiful city. It's very energy efficient. There are so many bicycles in Netherlands. So what does that mean? It means there is less use of fuel. You know, when we talk of it in Zimbabwe, it's like we laugh at that. Like, bicycles, you know, because I, I, of course it's, it's laughable in Zimbabwe because we don't have the bicycle tracks. You know, we don't have safe cycling in Zimbabwe. But I think if we encourage that, first of all, it's healthy, you know, to cycle to work. It's very healthy to cycle wherever you're going. Second, use the fuel uh, that processes that produces carbon monoxide um, and also at the same time we create cities that are free for people to move from one place to the other because when you are in, in the center of uh, in the city center of um, Amsterdam you realize that there are places where you don't see cars you know you're just walking in the city so it's very easy for families to go and walk it's a walkable city it's livable it's energy efficient but um, another city that I really, really admire is uh, Paris, or Paris, um, is how they've managed to maintain their cultural element. You see, like their old buildings and uh, their identity as a French city. They've managed to maintain that, you know, in as much as the, ci the cities look very, very beautiful outside, they're old outside, and they've managed to maintain that. I really, really admire that about uh, Paris. Um, another thing that, uh, another city that I would say we should emulate is Berlin. Berlin is also very clean. They have efficient waste management and um, 
the, the efficient waste management systems. When you walk into the city, it's very clean. You don't find litter around. And they also have big roads like we have in Blawayo, you know? And that's something that we should also emulate. Like they have bigger roads, bigger space. They have so much space for to create economic activities. So they've managed to say that within those streets, restaurants can actually, you know, create um, uh, spaces for people to eat outside. And that has really revamped their economy, you see. So now p a lot of people are now coming into the city. A lot of people or tourists are now coming into the city. They spend a lot of time in the shops, in the restaurants. It's also the same as um, you mentioned about the Mandela Washington Fellowship. So I worked in, um, in uh, Covington, which is in Kentucky, and there was a city across the river called uh, Cincinnati, and they had a street called Over the Rhine. And for many years, that street was now old and dilapidated and there was nothing happening within the city. And what did the city fathers do? They tried, they called from, for all young people within the city who had been to come at their small businesses within that city. And young people came and they started businesses and restaurants were open, entertainment were open, and uh, you know, quite a number of activities. So when you go there right now, that people were scared to go to because it was now like a ghost street. Now there's a lot of vibrancy, a lot of restaurants have opened, a lot of shops have opened. So young people come with a small idea or their small product and they're given a space to, 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 to work within their street. So that street has really caused a lot of people to come into the city, you know, causing a rise in the local economic activities and ultimately an improvement within the GDP of that uh, state or that city. So I think that's also, those are some of the lessons or that's some of the key things that I really like about that city and other cities uh, across the world. Yeah. Interesting. You are one of the lucky people who are traveled and who see all these things. How can you share that knowledge with our city fathers? What advice would you give to the city fathers? City fathers. Like you've said that they've turned, uh, they mm -hmm. turned the street that mm -hmm. was dilapidated into something new. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think half of the industries or three quarter yeah. of the industries are yeah. down. What advice do you give to the city of Bulawayo on how to revamp the economy and also how to, in terms of going green, what mm -hmm. other advice do you think you can give to the city of Bulawayo? Okay, the first advice that I'll give is the city should uh, open up their doors to young people. They should open up their doors to having conversations with people who, um, for example, well-traveled or people who have experience, you know, they should create platforms for conversation. Also, at the same time, my advice to people is they should be able to participate in those conversations that the city calls for, you know. So basically, it's a dialogue between the city and young people within the city because I believe young people have the great ideas that probably our city fathers do not have. So that dialogue should be there. And second of all, I'll definitely advise the city to, you know, I, I know that we are in Tutuziatunga and it's our pride, but when we look at how the economy is right now, it's not, um, it's not promoting, I mean, industrial activities. So what do we do? We cannot just sit and say, we want our industries, we want our industries, they're closed, what then? Let's look for other sources, like other economic activities that we might do in Bulawayo. You know, arts and crafts, it's a big industry, but we could actually embrace in Bulawayo and say, we are now promoting that as a city. It's now our brand. We are the city of arts and crafts. We are the city of fashion and design, you know? So it's important that the city also looks into other smaller 
sources of other smaller industrial or other smaller economic activities per se you know like what they do in at city hall that's very amazing you know tourists can come and buy and purchase but there's need for support from the city definitely to grow that and also let's create you know creative place making is is very important in um, promoting industrial activities in within the city let's make it easy for young people to open businesses and actually uh, run their businesses within the city so if i come with my idea of you know this fancy restaurant in this place it shouldn't take me two years to get a permit done permit, uh, permit uh, approved by the city the bureaucracy must be stopped uh, the long processes that it takes to start something and you know get it running we already have problems with money then uh, another problem with bureaucracy that's very difficult that make it very very difficult for economic activities to actually function in, in Bulawayo and also I, I really love uh, the Bulawayo fest um, you know spirit of saying young people from Bulawayo must be given opportunities they must be given opportunities first when they come with business ideas you know no matter how small because at times we then compare ourselves with big businesses that have started that we started 10 years ago but i might come and say i want to start my small restaurant you know that sells uh, vegetarian food or vegan food you know you, you must you might think that oh she's young what does she know but that's it's good to encourage those young people that's how developed countries have made it they've supported young people to come up with ideas and to promote their ideas and also another thing with regards to sustainability you know the city must i'm very passionate about outdoor space i mean the whole green spaces that's that when i started green spaces it was about uh, outdoor space you know because i believe that outdoor spaces shape a city it's not just the buildings that shape a city but it's the spaces in between those buildings it's the parks it's the playgrounds it's the places where children walk, the places where we, where we walk, where we access entertainment, you know, like festivals, etc. I believe that the city should also put that as a priority, especially our parks. When I grew up, I used to play in the park with my friends. I, I mean, I mean, most of us, I don't know about summer 2000, but some of us, when we grew up, we used to play in the park. We used to go and my mother would not worry if I was at a park. She would know that, oh, She's at a park, she's playing. I'll play with my friends. But when you look at our, the state of our public parks now, it has become places of crime, you know, pollution. You cannot even, I can't even go to Centenary Park right now because the lawn is not maintained. There's nothing there, not, really nothing. So the city must prioritize those because that is where parks act. They have a very important, a very important role within cities. They also act as carbon sinks. Uh, especially to mitigate climate change. So when we talk about, about climate change, cities will act as places where, you know, uh, the green, the way we get our oxygen from, you see? So parks within our, our um, high-density suburbs, parks within the city centre, centenary parks, and all over the town must be maintained, and there must be, something must be done with regards to that as we move towards sustainability. And you've mentioned something interesting. You're an entrepreneur, you mm -hmm. had an idea, mm -hmm. you ran with it. Mm -hmm. What challenges did you come across, have you faced trying to implement your plan and what is your input or what you want the government or the authorities to do to make it easier for someone else following you trying okay. to come up with an idea? Okay, it's, 
it's very difficult <laughs> in Zimbabwe. It's very, very difficult, especially if your your idea is is intersecting within government or it's intersecting within local authorities. It's very, very difficult. I myself had challenges with uh, with you know just getting a permit to to develop something. It was very, very hard. The bureaucracy was too much, like I mentioned. It's a very long process. It's tiring and exhausting. And because of that, it discourages young people, you know. Uh, the spaces where we go have not become friendly to young people or to, you know, young people coming up with a new technology. They're not really friendly, like I mentioned earlier, that there are no policies or laws to govern the new technologies that come. So when you go there, they're going to tell you that there's no policy for this, so we must go to parliament and enact that. I mean, how many years must I wait? You know, what if I saved my money to start my business and I have to wait two years, I'm just going to spend it. You know, I'm not going to save it for that business. So, so those are the challenges that I faced, uh, which are bureaucracy. And also other challenges were definitely the obvious, which is financing to start your business. It's very difficult to get fi uh, funding, uh, to get people to support your idea. You know, you know when you're an entrepreneur, it's a very lonely road because you are surrounded by people who probably do not believe in you or people who think, why are you taking this route? Why don't you just do simple, go get a job. You know, people are going to tell you that, that why are you doing this? Why do you want to change the world? Do you think you're going to change the world? But um, what's important is just to be strong, uh, to keep on pushing because it will take years. What people don't talk about, you know, when they are now very successful is that it took them even more than five years for something to really start making profit. Or it took them more than, you know, I was reading uh, Steve Jobs' book yesterday and the amount of time it took for the MacBook to really break the ground, it was more than 20 years, you know, but now we use it, we think he just created the MacBook and tomorrow it was a sensation. It wasn't. And that is the same as the journey of entrepreneurship and the journey that I've been through, that it hasn't been very easy, uh, it hasn't been very smooth. So, when someone wants to come into the entrepreneurship, they should know that. They should know that it's not easy and they should have a thick skin. They should be able to be strong and also take care of, of themselves. You know, issues of mental health are very important you know, when starting a business or starting a new initiative. How do you take care of yourself when, because you're going to face rejection, you're going to face, you know, lack of support, maybe from your family or lack of financing, you don't know where to get the money. You sell your car, you sell your home, if you have a house <laughs> or whatever property you have, and still the business might fail. So it's very important for you to, you know, just have a support system. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much that. The field you have chosen mm -hmm. for a woman to take it up is quite rare. And when it comes to tech, from the people I've interviewed, there are very few women when it comes to tech and, and mm -hmm. in such industries. Mm -hmm. How can you encourage or what can you say to other ladies or women out there about joining this journey? Okay, that's, you know, that's a very interesting thing because every time I go like to conferences, you know, I'm usually like the two women in the room or maybe it's a renewable energy, you know, con conference because uh, I also I also write research on energy policy. So, you know, when you go to those conferences, you're the only woman or they're just two women in the room. And for me, it has become like, it's, it's something that I was like, why? Why is this so? And of course, I mean, it's very 
a lot of women are discouraged when they come into the space of technology because there's no support for women uh, tech entrepreneurs because people do not believe in them generally. I think it's a perception. So you'll find that when I have my idea and you have the exact same idea as a man, you're most, like most likely to get investment than I am because they will say, oh, this, will she be able to, 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 to manage this? I mean, it's technology, it's a man's world. But what I would encourage women is just do it. You know, it's hard, but just do it. Just go out there and, you know, you might be in a room filled with men, but that's the time that you should now raise your voice. And, you know, you never know who's watching. Maybe you're encouraging some high school student in the same field to, to actually be encouraged by the work that you're doing. So for me, I've just made sure that I perfect myself. I don't want to be undermined because I'm a woman. Uh, and I don't want to get special favors because I'm a woman. So what do I do? I make sure that I'm good at what I'm doing. I make sure that I'm good, be it if, if I just make sure that I'm good, you know? I want to be viewed as the, at the same level or to be judged at the same level. So I make sure that everything that I do, I do and make sure that it's very efficient and it's to my best ability. Yeah. And then on a lighter note, can you give us a glimpse, if you were to design or redesign Wulawai or reimagine Wulawai, as they okay. say, how <laughs> will you design Wulawai? What pillars would you put that this is, this is your signature of an energy efficient city that you've designed? Okay, uh, that's a very interesting one. <laughs> okay, first of all, I mean, I'm, I'm a tech person and also I love sustainability, you know, green. Uh, so I'll make sure that it's an interconnected city. Interconnected in the sense that we'll have high-speed internet, we'll have uh, interconnected uh, transport systems, so we have interconnected rail systems and buses, so people don't need to drive to work. You know, it should be easy for someone to just, from Caldry Park to get in the, into the train, in 10 minutes, they're already within the town. If they're in town, they should be able to move within a tram. You know, they get into their tram and they move to the next uh, place. Everything should be interconnected in that regard. Uh, another thing that I'm very fascinated about, like I was mentioning, is public parks. I'll ensure that every neighborhood has their own nice little place where the community comes and, you know, meets every weekend or, you know, if they're holidays, they have their events, their small events. You know, that, that encourages community development, that encourages, you know, neighborhood uh, development. When people come and have a space where they actually meet and talk and relax during the weekends, I'll definitely encourage that. Um, another thing that I'll encourage is um, local economic activities that make our city vibrant. You know, I'm, I'm someone who would say, okay, in, in Blawai, let's have street festivals, you know, let's have that that's love for our city every weekend. Let's just go out there. Let's, you know, people sell, people should come and sell their food. People sell whatever they're selling. I mean, we already have our, our Saturday market, but why don't we expand it and make it attract a diverse, uh, you know, diverse products? Because right now it's just clothes. You know, I would encourage others sources, you know, like food, you know, maybe I, I'm a foodie, I don't know, but people should come and sell different types of food and, you know, come every weekend and just have fun within our city. I think that's also something that I'll encourage. And um, 
I, what I love about the city of Blau is that we have good service provision, like water. Of course, right now we have challenges, but we, we, we never really, really had challenges with water. So that also would be improved and waste management. I would definitely encourage people to separate waste. Uh, that would promote recycling, you know, plastic, glass and organic and, uh, you know, paper must be separated. And that will also produce other products from the recycled material, you know, Bulawayo is a lot of fashion designers. How do we create fashion from that recycled material? You know, it's a whole cycle that we must also embrace or must also, that I would, okay, I'm talking about my city now, that I would encourage in my city, you know, uh, recycling, creating other, interesting. You know, I'm all for interesting and innovative things, you know, things that are outside the box. We shouldn't just be boring and say, okay, Bulawayo, you know, let's create crazy things, things that will take, that will have, you know, an impact even within the global, you know. You know how some cities have made it is they think outside the box, they think of a crazy idea and they actually do it, you know. That is what I'll do in my city and say, young people, come here, what are we thinking? You know, if you want to draw a big mural of, I love Bulawayo, and people take pictures every day, like that's amazing, you know. Let's, in my city, I would say, young people, come, give us ideas. And how can we make our city exciting? Because for so, such a long time we've been saying, Blauer is a ghost town, the industries are closed, it's boring. But we have so many young people. How do we make it an exciting place to live? Okay. And that's how I would make it. And then in closing, where do you see yourself in Green Spaces in five years' time? Okay, so in five years' time, we just don't want to be producing products or solar charging stations, but we want to become a community of uh, people that that really love uh, the, our vision or our uh, like what we talk about sustainability and technology uh, so we hope to create a community of young people to come up with innovations around that and also to just have conversations around it get into universities and say students within architecture or urban planning space how can we encourage them to produce cities future cities that are sustainable cities that use technology and also cities that, uh, that people love. So we want to encourage that from university level, from even high school level. So also within the five years, uh, I believe that we also want to create spaces for, like I was mentioning, when they come with their ideas, we want to promote them. If we can connect them to people to find their ideas, if we can connect them to people who can you know, invest in their ideas so that we make our city better, you know? And uh, we also want to go even within high density suburbs of Bulawayo and, uh, and say, how do we involve communities within development? You see, uh, when, I, when I was in the US, I, was at, I worked at a company called Center for Great Neighborhoods. And that really encouraged me, you know, to see how, how communities would come together and come up with great, great things as a community. So that's also what we want to do to say, we are a center for green uh, things well, a center for technology, you know, we're a center for new ideas within the urban space, which is a space that has been ignored for a long time. So that's where we see ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. This has been exciting. Thank you. <laughs> We've been speaking to Lisa, and she's been talking about renewable energy, her views and the input on how she can make Wulawayo be the leading player when it comes into this space. Join us next week when we speak to another interesting techpreneur. Oh.